Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. Let's see what else, Rich. Um, habitat management. So it's not going to work with everything, but when I first established my nursery and orchard, I did some dozing, uh, bulldozing. And when I did that bulldozing, or hired it done, there were what we call here in, the, in this part of the country dozer decks, but it's just the pushed up you know, debris, the stumps, the branches, trees, whatever, a little bit of soil. Right. And I had, had not realized it at the time, but I had made a perfect habitat. Uh, if anybody's ever read Watership Down, they'll know what I'm talking about. I made a little high-rise apartment thing for these right. rabbits. Right. And, and uh, oh my gosh I really made it hard on myself so I had a serious problem for a while here's another habitat management uh, advice some more Uh, mice and voles if you're an orchardist or actually um, any kind of gardener farmer and you use mulch those you've made a really nice habitat for mice and voles and uh, they'll get under there and just take up uh, habitation and if you leave that mulch, especially in the wintertime, if you leave it right up against the trunks, they will just chew on those trunks all winter long, and you'll have a girdled tree by the time it's over. So huh. for habitat management for that, there's two things you can do. One is just pull that mulch well back from the trunk, you know, a good oh, inch or two. I mean, inch, what am I saying, foot or two. You need to get away from the trunk. Um, you can mow really close out in the orchard, and that makes it... Uh, uh, easier for this would be true for rabbits too. Make it easier for hawks and owls to find them, um, or you can use materials that mice can't tunnel in, like wood chips. If you use straw or leaves, you're just making a perfect habitat for the for these mice these, and field rats and things like that. But if you use wood chips, they can't tunnel in it. It's just too hard to begin with, and then the tunnels will collapse anyway, assuming that they can make something. So habitat management can be a uh, a big help too. I'm trying to think else about oh bird distress calls. Back to birds. Bird distress calls. You'll see them advertised in the uh, uh, magazines too, and they're they're pretty good. I've used them for crows, and um, mm-hmm. it seemed to really uh, deter them. Uh, some of these bird distress calls. Uh, the the one I got, the product that I bought, uh, I could call the crows in, and I could scare them away. It was kind of interesting. Uh, And thinking of crows, you know, with the deer and some of these other vertebrates, even though they learn, they don't seem to, you know, learn, well, not like a crow. I'll just say crows are something really special. Coons are probably up there in that level of intelligence, too. And so if I ever uh, was able to uh, shoot a crow in season with permission, nuisance permit and stuff, I could hang that dead crow up in the tree, and it was a serious deterrent. If you wanted to do that with a deer, they just ignore it. <laughs> it's really? funny you think that would mean something. Yeah, unless you really want the satisfaction, you know. <laughs> sort of like Lord of the Flies, put that deer head up and make you feel better. But it didn't seem to have any deterrent effect on the deer. I don't know why, but it didn't. But crows will respond to that. thought that was kind of interesting. What have I left out, Rich? Songbirds. Songbirds are, are a little different than crows. Uh, they're not near as smart, of co- uh, course. Crows are, are really uh, exceptional that way as far as their learning ability. 
And uh, songbirds, you're pretty much going to have to net. You're going to have to exclude them with netting. Uh, sometimes the, the cannons or, you know, if you want to shoot off your shotgun out there, uh, you can't shoot very many songbirds, but you can, you know, just shoot it off in their direction or just anywhere near, and that bang will often be enough to to deter them for a while. But if you got something they really want, like grapes or blueberries, you're probably going to have to net it. There's really not much you can do about songbirds other than netting. Yeah, one thing about fencing well, is that you're going to have gates. And so with the gates, sometimes you need to have something at that bottom, especially if you have uneven terrain. You're going to have to have something at the bottom of that gate to make sure, you know, maybe like a wire curtain or some more chicken wire or plastic or something. But often those gates are going to be the weak point, especially when you talk about jackrabbits. You know, you can bury all that fence all the way around, but you got to get in and out of your planting. So that, that gate's going to be the weak point. You'll have to look at it carefully and figure out, you know, what you can do to, to provide that final deterrent. Oh, did I mention air dancers? Air dancers? I don't think so. <laughs> here's here's something new. Uh, they're they're in. <clears throat> some people call them inflatable scarecrows. Some people call them air dancers. They were first used as advertising devices. So what I'm talking about is something that often looks like a a person. Uh, it may have. Um, first of all, it's inflatable, and it's on a blower. And you see them uh, used car lots or uh, some place. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're they're a, a business's way of drawing attention to themselves. So if you know, I've seen some that are eight foot tall. I've seen some that are look like they're thirty or forty foot tall. But basically, it's air blown up into a a, a plastic, uh, uh, usually human shaped thing, uh, uh, and it waves its arms around. Right? Sometimes there's streamers coming down, <clears throat> and they've proven real effective, especially against crows. Uh, again, I'm not sure you could ever scare. If you put it on a timer device or a uh, uh, a motion detector so that it goes off only when they're coming in there, I bet it would be very effective. I haven't used one yet in my place, but I got a feeling intuitively it's going to work. However, I've watched those deer get. They're right in town in many parts of the eastern United States. The deer come right anymore. They're not scared by anything. Uh, so I can imagine that they would get in, used to an inflatable scarecrow or air dancers, as they're called sometimes. And uh, uh, if it was on all the time, they get used to it. Right. So if you can figure out a way to do it intermittently or uh, with a motion detector, you're going to be better off. Okay, okay then, uh, Guy, thanks for joining us today. And thanks to everybody out there for coming to hear this episode of ATRA Voices from the Field. You can find other episodes of ATRA. Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org.